0: Welcome to Japan on Fire, episode 29 on Hideo Gosha's The Geisha. And after a hiatus we are back to conclude the finishing stretches of the coverage um, of the filmmaker responsible for, among other films, Free Outlaw Samurai, Hitokiri and Oni Masa. And the next to last episode of... The Coverage, which is this episode, have us landing in 1983 and the multi-award-winning drama about a geisha, and the movie is appropriately called The Geisha. And I am Kenneby, and seeing as we have utilized his two-part article on the man's career as research notes for our show... I think it's only appropriate, uh, or I thought it only was appropriate, to invite him onto the show to share his expertise and enthusiasm for Hideo Gosha. And the writer and expert in question is Mr. Robin Gatto. Or is it Gatto?
1: Hello. Hello, Kenneth.
0: Am I getting the last name uh, right? It's a difficult French name, Gatto or Gatto?
1: No, it's an Italian name, actually. It oh, means- it is? It's Gatto. Yes, it's it's an Italian name.
0: Is that where you're from originally, or, or you are French, as a matter of fact? Yeah, I'm
1: French, Spanish, Italian, and maybe a little bit of German, too. Uh, you never know.
0: <laughs> so so, so that, that begs the question, because we're going to talk of your Japanese um, fandom, your enthusiasm. Have you gone to the lengths of uh, uh, learning uh, addition, additional uh, la- language in the, be, be, because you love cinema? So have you gone to the lengths of learning Japanese or, or such for your, for your work?
1: no not exa- not like tom tom mess who who you probably know mm-hmm. not exactly like tom um but i have friends japanese friends who help me a lot with translations and and and, and all the work
0: and uh, we we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your work uh, because uh, you are an honorary guest here and you're also a co-producer co-produ- essentially because you're going to contribute material for the episode so before we get back talking about the director and the geisha specifically let's talk a little bit about your background Uh, because clearly if if anyone has read the midnight eye article which we will provide a a link to you you are an accomplished uh, writer and you you clearly have a wealth of knowledge about Hideo Gosha but do let the listeners know a little bit about your background. Uh, and I'm curious too. So is writing your main occupation when it comes to talking about and uh, sharing thoughts on Japanese cinema?
1: Not exactly. Uh, I think I started out as a translator for for the press, for magazines, movie magazines in 1998. I branched out into filming actually featurettes, videos, interviews for a web company. And so in the early 2000, 2000s. and then uh, with my two best friends, uh, we're all from the south of France. Uh, so we were like three faculty friends. Uh, one of them died uh, unfortunately last year. So so I'm I'm giving him a little thought today.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He was one of my best friends, and he died uh, 2018. So so with my two best friends we we founded a comp a video production company and we started to do uh basically featurettes for dvd you you, you know like the, the the programs you get uh the the, um, the extras you get with mm-hmm. the movies on dvd
0: for the french market specifically
1: yes for the french market specifically but maybe you know that one of one of the documentaries we did over the years was uh Bought by criterion a few years ago uh, if you 've seen the the um, the lone wolf and cub uh edition they did you know criterion
0: for sure i haven't upgraded my laser discs uh, yet of long wolf and cub but uh, I'm, I'm i'm obviously a big fan of those uh, so um it, it's uh, it's coming in the in the future i just have to save a little bit of money first
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I i was it was sent to me by um a friend uh working for uh Wildside. you know Wildside, side sure. distribution company so going back to the early 2000s we we started working a lot with Wild Side. It was a kind of a smaller scale criterion at the time. They had a huge catalog of uh, Asian films, so Hong Kong films, Japanese films, and Korean films. You know, several companies were fighting over the rights, the copyrights of, um, of Lo- Lone Wolf and Cub at the time. So uh, there were two different editions, which you may know about, one by Metropolitan... HK and another one by Wildside. So the you know the movie the movie fans have been fighting over what version is best, what version, what edition is the the, the better one, and etc. So I worked on the Wildside uh, edition, which was a uh, very big collector's edition but uh when we started uh, when we started working for Whiteside, they basically basically they sent us to tokyo to japan to film interviews for their uh editions of japanese films because in 2003 they released goyokin as a single disc edition a few months afterwards they thought they would like to do uh, a collectors edition so Basically, I was sent to Tokyo to film an interview with the DP, the director of photography. Oh, wow. Uh, his name was uh, Kozo Okazaki. You know, he's quite a famous uh, DP. He worked on the Yakuza by Sidney Pollack. So he's is well-known uh, director of photography, I mean, in Japan and internationally. What I didn't know at the time was that he was actually uh, terminally ill he was he was actually dying from cancer so i i i've met quite a few people like that you know they were they were very old and uh, um like in their 80s you know in i mean 80 year olds and uh but very generous people very strong people but very often ill and they died well, it was kind of the last opportunity last chance to meet with them and interview them and, you know, get all the, the footage we needed for the collector's edition. So, so basically, I did a long interview um, with uh, Okazaki Kozo. And before I came, I, I got back to France, I had a chance encounter with a guy, a, a, a very lovable guy. His name is Sakai, Sakai-san, Sakai Seichi. And he worked as an assistant editor with Michio Suwa. Michio Suwa was the editor for uh, Gosha's Goyokin in 1969. So Sakai, obviously, he knew a lot of things about Gosha. And he, he was also an assistant editor to uh, Taniguchi Toshio, who edited uh, four or five films on the Lone Wolf and Cub Saga. So he was a great die uh you know, veteran. And uh, Sakai San worked with Michio Sua and Taniguchi. So uh, through the people who worked with Gosha, he knew a lot about Gosha, and, and he worked too with Gosha on uh, Kumokiri Nizaimon in 1978. So this this uh, lovely guy, he he told me a lot of things about Gosha, and when I got back to France, I had hours and hours of uh, video uh, interviews of you know of um including b-roll and many things and uh so we were able to do a collector's edition on goyokin and then a few months or a few years afterwards uh, wild side decided to release uh six or seven films i don't remember how i don't remember how many exactly but maybe six films by hideo Gosha.
0: would uh, would uh, your work include uh, the documentaries that are on the hitokiri French yes yes d- edition I I have no chance to watch those because they are French subtitles only but they were there were two documentaries on that DVD yes there's,
1: there's a funny story behind that because you know the the number one fan in France uh, for the film Hitokiri is uh, Christopher Guns mm-hmm. you may you may know his name yes
0: yes right? uh, filmmaker and um, and uh, he had his DVD label uh, HK Video for for many years.
1: Exactly, and he was a he's a huge, very huge fan of Hideo Gosha, and actually, he did a lot to to introduce uh, films by Hideo Gosha to to the French audience. He traveled to Japan in the early 1990s to watch films by Hideo Gosha. You know, inside the studios, you know, they went to Shotoku Toho, everywhere. They so they watched a few films and they bought three films. Uh, three Outlaw Samurai, Goyokin, and Tract, so they brought these three things back to France and they released it in the theaters in festivals and oh. then on on tape you know v h s tape and then on d v d so but uh christopher guns he really he, he, he was really dying to release uh Hitokiri on d v d but it's like he missed the opportunity to do it, and then the rights went to wildside. <laughs> Anyway, so we worked on Hitokiri as well. Yes, we did a uh, two document 2 featurettes, Yes.
0: I have that DVD um and uh, but you uh, but uh, I I got subtitles from the internet, but I I still bought that DVD because it's it's my first Gosha movie. I saw it many many years ago, so and it's obviously something you have to support um uh, even though um, even though the original DVD is no subtitles, but uh, if you get subtitles from the internet, you can you can make it watchable, and uh,
1: actually, there was a a, um, a big presentation, a big screening of Hitokiri in the in the 1990s, maybe in Los Angeles. I think everyone around the world rallied to Los Angeles to to watch Hitokiri on a big screen. <laughs>
0: you, you sometimes don't know how how many fans there are of certain movies until events like that happen because you you watch your movies at home or with your friends and you you know it's great but you don't know how many people actually appreciate a particular movie and sometimes there are more people out there like-minded people out there than you might think yeah, yeah. because hideo gosha is not a small director but it's not the first japanese director brought up whenever you discuss samurai movies or or action movies um but so it's so, so it's very nice to hear that uh, that movie in particular uh, hitokiri is um is uh, revered and appreciated because um, yeah. it it deserves it
1: yeah very much i think christopher gunn said that if if uh, stanley kubrick had done a chambara movie it would have been hitokiri <laughs> yeah
0: yeah why not it's um it's it's not just blood and action that movie it's um it also has uh, character and dramatic depth and uh i I always remember remember it for for that and it was nice to revisit the movie on that dvd when we did it for the show a few years ago and it's still it's still great listening to your story were you aware of gosha at all before you went to um, japan and started working on this or was that your introduction to to the filmmaker when you started working for uh, professionally
1: yeah, I started working in two thousand and four on Gosha, and I have I haven't stopped ever, ever since actually. So it was kind of yes, uh, an introduction to Gosha. The first film I saw was probably Goyoking mm-hmm. and then Hitokiri and maybe the Wolves in between. Mm-hmm. Oh, Should for sure. Show you why. Yeah, you could find a you know you could find three tapes. So I went to the video clubs and and found three outlaw samurai goyokin and you know there were only three films anyway so
0: good three films to to start with but uh, as we will discuss with the geisha the the filmmaker offered up a lot more and had a lot more to say than just making uh samurai movies and um creating violence on screen which is
1: there was also a ge- there was one geisha in hitokili let's not forget the geisha her name is Omino and she's played by Mitsuko Baisho and Mitsuko is the the head of the Yokiro in the geisha all right she's, okay she's yeah she's the same actress
0: we, 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 we are the slightly elder uh, actress indeed
1: yes so, yeah. she was a dancer actually she was a shochiku dancer at the time
0: that's 2004 but what's the you 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 clearly have stuck with Gosha, and you still you still explore, you still work uh, to an extent, um, uh, and, and you're still a fan. So, what's the what makes you come back to to watching Gosha movies or exploring new movies? Uh, what is the uh, uh, what is the thing that made you a fan essentially of of his movies?
1: First of all, I think the movie Hitokiri made me a fan. I think Goyokin was okay. Was and I had nice action action sets, action scenes, but I uh, I really fell in love with Hitokiri, and I just didn't know you could film samurai like that. Well, I, I I knew you 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 know you had Zatoichi, and Zatoichi was an an interesting take on the yakuza and samurai tales. Uh, you know, especially in the first film, nineteen sixty-two, with this, it's like a crossover. There's Zatoichi and there's the, you know, the the, uh, the 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 six samurai, and they fight at the end. And actually, there it's the, the the samurai is a real character, and Zatoichi part fictional, part real. So, you know, it's it's an interesting crossover. It's a nice take on the samurai and yakuza tales. But you know, Hitokiri Katsu Shintaro was playing like a. a, a a fully sexualized samurai, and I like that a lot. You know, he was making love, he was, you know, he was touching women basically. The samurai is not supposed to do that. So I love that, and I love the melancholy of the character before before his death and longing for lost love. So I thought, wow, it's just not about graphic violence and, and swords. It's really a character piece, and uh, this is a an amazing director, and, um, well, what I, I didn't know at the time that it, he had a great director of photography. I mean, if you compare Kozo Okazaki and Fujio Morita, it's, it's really different, two different worlds. It's like Okazaki likes to experiment with the, the telephoto lens, and Morita had the, still had an um, uh, old camera, Old cameras, film cameras at the studio, the dye studio. He could not experiment with, you know, zooming in and out like Okazaki. So it was all about composition, colors, and it was amazing, amazing. And at the end of the film, you have you have a great effect which is called reticulation, which is a chemical effect, you know, done on the film print, and it's it's really amazing, amazing. It's like the the craft the craftsmen of the golden age of Japanese cinema meeting with, you know, uh, some kind of manga, gekiga uh, aesthetics. And, you know, it's it contains everything, Hitokiri. And then I, I'm i not sure he he really managed to do anything so beautiful and surprising. But I think he really... He got it right with um, Hunter, Hunter in the Dark, and maybe The Geisha, yeah, as well.
0: And and maybe let's talk a little bit about that, the the fact that Gosha was a different filmmaker in some, in especially in the eighties, and different filmmaker in different decades in a in a way. And I I know that I like a filmmaker that uh, evolves and does different things and is not stuck. In one genre only that's why I like him I get to see new sides of him the more I produce this, um, this series it's always encouraging it's always inspiring to see a filmmaker change and also become better and more accomplished so for for, for instance Onimasa and the Geisha, they are more sensitive movies they are more gentle movies more calm movies so that's appealing to me but was that appealing to you to experience, you know, the violent samurai and then the violent streets and then going to these calmer, more sensitive period drama? Was that appealing to you to find out he could do so much more than just violence?
1: I'm not sure he focused on violence so much, to, to tell you the truth. You know, he had a nickname probably in the 60s. People would call him Ch- Chideo Gosha. Which meant uh, bloody Gosha, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think he's a bloody director. Um, I mean, it's when you play with swords in movies, it's always nice to have graphic elements. So, and every like it's like every director in the, in the mid '60s was trying to do graphic uh, effects, you know, after Kurosawa in, with Sanjiro, Tsubaki Sanjuro. But I I don't think it's about violence. I think it's a natural, very, very progressive. Uh, it's a progression. It's a it's a natural progression. I think he started to explore femininity and and the representation of of, of women on screen in 1965, probably with wow. a sword of the beast. Uh, around that time, he had a female scriptwriter. So, so I guess they really bickered. Over the scripts, and uh, she had her, you know, her point of view. He had his, and but it probably allowed him to do to do the things he did with uh, uh, Samurai Wolf. If you remember Samurai Wolf, especially the second one, you know, their their love stories too. I mean, they're they're all running and and fighting in the, in the dirt in the, in uh, some kind of desert, you know, the di- dirty landscapes. Bar- barren landscapes, nothing but rocks
2: mm-hmm.
1: and sand. But they they still it's 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 kind of it's got a a new wave approach. You know they're rolling around and somersaulting and uh, not summersorting. Sorry, they're capering around and rolling around in the dirt and uh, and kiba kiba. You know, samurai wolf said, "I love you," which is amazing. I mean, uh, think about a Toshirô MiFuNe character saying. I love you, <laughs> to, to to his woman. I think it was a joke by, by a director I met, actually, uh, Yamada Yoji, who made uh Samurai, a Twilight Samurai. And he said, well, the biggest joke is Toshiro Mifune saying, I love you, to, <laughs> to, to a, a woman in the Samurai picture. It's impossible. But, you know, some, some of us, we, we do love stories in our Samurai stories. So so basically, you had a, you had a... Two or three different love stories in Samurai Wolf, and you had a, a relationship between a samurai and his wife in Sword of the Beast, which was really interesting. And basically, I think it was actor Hira Mikijiro who said that Gosha became interested in uh, more interested in, in in the in the female representation in 1965, and then. People said to him, "Well, you, you you don't portray women in an interesting way. You don't under, you don't seem to understand women at all. You don't you don't understand female psychology. You're an insensitive uh, director." And in 1984, uh, in an interview, he said, "Well, stop saying that. You know. Well, now I've made the geisha. I've made Onimasa. You know. I'm not a, I'm not an insensitive director. I'm a sensitive director. I mean, I'm a human being." And I was already making uh, television movies in 1959, you have to remember that, and it was not all about violence and stuff, you know, uh, and swords, I mean, uh, he has always tried to depict, portray men and women as a little bit as equals, you know, Mm -hmm. as equals, and very often as lonely, yes, lonely beings. With suffering, regrets, and, and it's all about melancholy. I think it's all about melancholy. He was a big fan of Enka Enka songs. So if you know Enka, you have Otoko no michi onna no michi, which means the the, the the you know the masculine way and the female way. And they're they're sometimes more often than not they're lonely beings. And sometimes they 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 join together. They make love. Uh, they can share some feelings, but then they go back to their, uh, to to their melancholy and and you know and sad lives, etc. It's all I think it's all about melancholy. That's why I love Hitokiri so much because you think it's gonna be a samurai, a violent samurai film about the Bakumatsu, the end of the shogun, shogun Tokugawa shogun, and then it's all about this melancholy, this big big boy. You know, he's not a man; he's a big boy crying in the in the you know in the grass and uh, you know near the, the the on on near the sea uh, i like that i think it was a, he was a big boy actually he was i think the 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 woman who knew him would describe him as a big boy you know he was ready to cry on the shoulder of another man you know like you remember shintaro katsu in yukio mishima in hitokiri and then shintaro katsu try, uh, starts to cry and weep over the shoulder of, uh, I think it's Yuki Mishima, And that's very, very Gosha. You know, like, uh, uh, I mean, the first part of his career was probably about homosocial bonding, bonding between men, you know, uh, like Yakuza in a way. And then it was about women and men fighting for love, for, for their egos, for, for pride. So there are probably two words. It's iji in Japanese, which is pride. And the other word would be jōnen, which would be passion and hatred. So it's all about feelings. So it's not not an insensitive director. It's not an intellectual director. Sometimes intellectual directors are less sensitive directors, I would say.
0: And it's been very apparent to me as I've chosen select movies to form this uh, series that I, I always knew that he was more than just making Samurai because I'd seen Hitokiri. But it, it's been very nice to see that character depth over and over again, even in the older movies. Uh, and uh, and especially now with the 80s movies that I've uh, watched, uh, Onimasa and now the Geisha, it really has become quite exceptional. And, and it makes me so happy to see... Uh, this uh the him proving himself i suppose because as we will discuss the geisha was quite appreciated at least by the awards uh, awards ceremony so it was not a movie that was hidden from the japanese public eye and they, they were given a chance to see that um, he uh, can make a very uh, calm sensitive and uh, and compelling movie so it's
1: i wouldn't say calm one thing one thing we should add is one important thing is hideo gosha was a television director so he had a kind of a complex you know he thought he was a bad director and he had to fight to be a good director in the eyes you know of the the the, the, not the public but the, the critics let's say the the officials you know the intelligentsia for example in Onimasa, you probably remember the sentence uh, which uh, Masako Natsume belches out, which is tarai, which is, don't underestimate me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not actually the shit is going to hit the fan. It's more like, don't underestimate me. So this is a sentence which he pronounced in, in, his, pri- in his private life. Don't underestimate me as a director. I'm not only a television director now I've become a movie director, but you keep you keep telling me that I'm a television director. I'm a director and he he was fighting to actually he was very envious of the the, the b- very big directors you know the masters you know like Kurosawa and other directors. He wanted to have the rec- the same recognition and he probably failed, but he wanted to have this he wanted to be. Maybe he wanted to be have one film at least where he would be an auteur director, you know? And this film was probably the last one. It was uh, Onnagoroshi.
0: We've uh, gotten some very good uh, context and uh, and facts, uh, but uh, let's uh, move on and talk a little bit about... Uh, we've done the biography of Hideo Gosha based on, on your excellent article, so we're going to move on to that and, and talk of what it was like in and around the time that geisha was made and uh, oh by the way for you listeners i i do want to give you a, a sort of rundown of what to expect subsequently from this point in the show and i've written specific time codes that accompanies the sections so if you want to navigate to a certain part of the episode you can do that so we will do another piece the next to last piece of the director's biography and we will then briefly discuss his uh, 1986 chambara film death shadows it's our designated quick review of the film but we might discuss it for five ten minutes or so but d- this will then be followed by the larger review and discussion of uh, the mentioned 1983 drama the geisha so let's uh let's move on to the section that that I that i've dubbed uh, hideo gosha the story continues and again it's based on the excellent two part piece that you wrote for midnight eye and if there are any errors in my summary it's because i wasn't paying attention to the text and uh, and and do feel free to interrupt me and clarify and even expand the notes uh, robin as uh, as we uh do this piece of the biography and in the last episode we will conclude uh, conclude the career so to say
1: Maybe the ghost of Gosha will interrupt you, not not me.
0: <laughs> and he has every right to do so if I've made a mistake. <laughs> so, and after Onimasa, apparently Gosha enjoyed more of a creative um, freedom as a uh, as a, a filmmaker. He had a, a varied run, uh, different kind of movies made in the eighties and going into the nineties, and he had several commercial hits. Apparently, but he also went independent. He formed his own production company called Gosha Pro apparently the ideas formed at Gosha Pro pro could then be brought to bigger studios and therefore Gosha Pro would have a chance to survive fa- financially by having ideas and making movies as an independent entity but then getting support from the studios and apparently if i understood things correctly this started with the 1985 movie tract which has been quoted as Gaucho's third masterpiece after the likes of Hitokiri and it is about the real-life case of a minor turned murderer after the end of World War II. And it's a movie I'm I'm curious to see. Um, It it was on on the Filmstruck Criterion channel. Uh, It's not on DVD or Blu-ray from Criterion but they have it but uh, uh, we will have to wait if it appears on the Criterion channel later this spring, because they are coming back as a streaming service. And you, you touched upon this Robin, that Gosha's movies continue to be slammed by some critics. They would view them as gaudy or vulgar, but some critics were also taking Gosha's side, saying he filled the gap between artistic cinema and commercial film. And again you you touched upon this, that he he might have said sometimes that he did not care about reviews but he wanted to make a film that earned him artistic praise and uh, if we go back a little bit to the geisha do do you, you do you remember from memory if that was uh, a movie that critics liked or it wasn't liked until the the academy uh, gave him gave the movie lots of awards so so do you remember if the geisha was uh, critically acclaimed or did they didn't like it
1: the film uh, the geisha was liked by some critics disliked by others i can't tell you how many i, I don't know <laughs> i have no idea i mean we would would, would we'd have we would have to read all the all, all the reviews to know but i remember one interesting story uh Ikenami Shotao was was a famous writer at the time he He's the author of uh, Kumokiri Nizaemon and Hunter in the Dark. So Bandit uh, Samurai versus Bandit Squad and uh, Hunter in the Dark. And he, he hated, I mean, he abhorred the films which Hideo Gosha made <laughs> with his novels. So he, so he said to Gosha, no more novels. <laughs> I mean, you, don't ever touch my novels again. Okay, forget about me. <laughs> and then he, this writer, he had a, like a, a diaries, you know, uh, published diaries with reviews of his. And he, he panned the geisha. Probably, uh, yes, uh, some kind of vengeance. No, no, no. He said, well, there, it's, it's very nice. It's, 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 it's beautiful, beautifully filmed, but it's very empty. You know, it's very maudlin. It's very, it's too sentimental and stuff, you know. So basically, he was, he was an insensitive uh, writer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, and uh, yes, a few, a few critics in the early 1980s, and maybe already at the time of Shushou Iwai, the wolves, some critics started to, to appreciate Hideo Gosha. Uh, obviously, one, one, one was Hideo Nishiwaki. Was, uh, he really supported Hideo Gosha through the 1980s.
0: Yeah, you, you never know how what's going to happen with critics if they're going to be honest or if they're going to be a bit vindictive uh, because critics have the power of the pen and that's sometimes not a good thing because uh, they can be very immature about uh, and have a, um, then a little bit of a vendetta, I suppose, or a grudge towards a director for whatever reason. Uh, in this case, the writer might have been... Uh, I I don't know if the writer was justified in, in thinking that he didn't want anything to do with Gorsha, but uh, I don't know because I haven't read the books and uh, compared movie adaptations, uh, but um, it it's certainly an interesting angle and a personal relationship to a degree. <laughs> um Death shadows that we're going to talk about uh, briefly in a bit uh, was apparently the last chambara movie shot on a huge set of dye studios in uh, Kyoto before that was uh, demolished torn down and uh, uh, I believe it was made into a residential area which is always always dep- always depresses me Robin where you where history is torn down to make room for other aspects of society but um, you know, it's a it is it is what it is. I mean, for for instance, in Hong Kong, if they ever said that, well, we're gonna ta- we're gonna tear down the Shaw Brothers studio in Hong Kong, that that would that that would also be depressing because it's a decade long movie history. Death Shadows was made as a little bit of a celebration for the Chambara genre because it was the last movie to be shot on those studio. It wasn't necessarily the hottest new genre, so it was a little bit uh, declining, but Gorsha had tried to reinvent that genre throughout the course of his career. He'd he'd been making uh, better than average samurai movies and even excellent samurai movies, Uh, so uh, it was a little bit of a celebration and uh, you can look back and craft a little bit bit of perspective of the history you've helped uh, create uh, uh, when he made this movie in 1986. Apparently though, a lot of this creativity in this decade in 1980s was uh, it. It reflected what was happening in Gorsha's personal life as apparently his uh, marriage failed and he, he was pouring his heart out. He was apparently an emotional soul during this time and even in the Geisha there is a scene uh, about uh, where the dialogue goes. It's our main character that screams out, uh, all men are enemies of women. So he, he was really uh, honest and uh, upfront about, uh, about about certain things that were happening in his characters and certain things that were happening in his own in his own life. Though, but after having watched the Geisha, I almost expected a much angrier film based on reading this. But I, I didn't uh, come. A, I didn't walk away from the Geisha thinking it was this angry, out of control film based on the director's mood in his personal life. So I guess you can balance uh, life and art to a degree and uh, make an audience-pleasing film, too, at the same Mm -hmm. time. So it can be difficult. He felt Gorsha after this marriage that... And it reflected in his cinema, too. His cinema became uh, even more female-centric and female-oriented, as Robin has detailed. Uh, it, It had been for a number of years, but it was female-oriented in the 80s too and uh, uh, he he felt, that women were as vindictive and uh, battlesome as men and uh, so he tried to put that on screen and he also loved the novels by the author Tomiko Miao who did write the original novel The Geisha was based on, if I understood things correctly. The movies contained passages and uh, depictions of uh, of men whose professional professions would uh, also be connected to brothels. And then it also the stories also contained the sad stories of women uh, in men's lives. And uh, it it circulated. You can see it in geisha that uh, it very much is um, connected to this profession men and women and uh, it, it, it has a sadness about it but not a out of control over the top uh, sadness uh, but uh, b- b- because also this sadness was infused with a fighting spirit. Uh, these women were they had motivation to to do do better in life to find love but also literally they had fighting spirit so because uh, in the Geisha for instance there, there are a couple of uh, extended uh, really physical Fighting scenes. So, uh, so and and even he he said, and I I kind of like this uh, quote from your article that uh, Gosha was quoted as saying that he felt like a geisha was an artificial flower rooted in the mire of unhappiness caused by men, which sounds so sad and depressing. Yet the movie isn't uh, isn't uh, tough to watch or sad to watch. Uh, so it's um it's a theme within. In the movie, and viewers might remember Gorsha's G- movies were when he did employ and execute uh, violence. There, it was uh, it was hard hitting. It was gritty. It was sometimes uh, bloody, and he transferred that energy from males to females in these movies. They were they had a lot more fighting spirit and resilience and endurance, and you you can spot this throughout many movies, I suppose. But your article quoted. Movies like uh, *Death Shadows* and The *Gate of Flesh* as containing these sort of visual cues, this uh, this this content, this uh, sonic content, this visual content. So it's nice to have these movies part of this coverage because I I get to see uh, the different sides of uh, Gorsha and the different types of characters he utilizes. In, in this case, the the focus is about women a little bit more and. Uh, if for, for instance in the movie i haven't seen but i'm looking forward to it the yakuza wives uh, that that was a project that came from gosha's fascination with yakuza wives literally it it, it was based on a book too a book of interviews because he he was fascinated with these modern women sticking to the rules and protocols of the clans of the past so and which sounds, sounds like a, a really interesting angle for a movie and again it featured stronger physically violent women weak men and uh issues connected to profit and business and and again these are just some basic examples of the uh, audio and visual cues that can be found in films around this time from gorsha but of course there's a whole lot more to it uh, to it than that but uh, But I do want to say, uh, and my my final note here in the bio, uh, on on a lighter note, uh, Gosha seemed to have a good tactic getting female actresses comfortable with with the sex scenes and to loosen up uh, a bit of um, inhibitions in his actresses. He uh, reportedly rehearsed the sex scenes with male assistants, which uh, apparently broke the ice with the actors and crew to see the director rehearse it himself and then then we can shoot it and be a little bit more relaxed so um he he wasn't uh he wasn't sad and angry all the time robin he uh he had uh time to have fun on set as well oh, yeah.
1: absolutely i mean he, he was he was in love with many of the women <laughs> now he was uh, he was in love with one woman in particular her uh, her name was matsuo kayo and she she appears in in, in At least one film. I don't remember which one. And he was in love with her, basically. And she said, please go away, Mr. Gosha. (laughs) Stop, stop, Mr. Gosha. I'm an actress. I'm not your object. (laughs) I remember, you know, Tetsuro Tamba? You probably remember. Of course, yes. Tamba Tetsuro. Um, uh, Before he died, there was a, um, a biographical book published about him. And the author was Dirty Kudo, so that tells you everything about the <laughs> author. Dirty Kudo. Well, it's a nickname, obviously. Uh, I met him. this guy; is 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 a, a lovely guy, and he wrote about Kudo Eichi and uh, Tamba Tetsuro. And I think he loved Kudo Hachi so much he nicknamed himself Dirty Kudo. Why dirty? Because he was doing shibari, which is bondage. Wow. Okay. Yes, Dirty Kudo is a shibari. Uh, I don't know if Shibari Master or Shibari Director, but something like that. And so he interviewed... Basically, he interviewed uh, Tamba, and he asked him a few questions about Gosha. What kind of man was he? What kind of director? And I think Tamba, Tetsuro, Tetsuro said something... Basically, something like... Well, he was... I mean, after the war, everybody was... I mean, sexually craved. uh, You know, hungry for sex. I mean... You you should you should remember that uh, Gosha Hideo is, is a kind is, is belongs to the generation of the Nikutai Bungaku, which is the literature of the flesh. So you know it was it was like uh, reappropriating your body after the war. Like during the war, you had to die for the country, you had to be one spirit and one body for the uh, the national body, and you had to sacrifice yourself. After the war, you were like you were like an orphan. I mean, the emperor was a normal, normal man now, and the values were uh, falling apart, and they were like orphans without the without any any father figure left, and but it was a he said it was a a, a period of freedom of liberate liberation, liberating yourself and finding your your own body again, sexu sexuality. It's the sex and the eros. Eros is always lurking somewhere, you know, in in his movies and in, in, in his persona. Uh, as we said, it's not all about it's not all about swords and samurai. It's also about eros. It's about wanting to live despite all the hardships and the the, the feeling that everything is rotten. Maybe everything is rotten at the core. But still, you want to live and go on and fight and, and have sex and and be in love and have great friendships with men. So it's you know it's all about those kinds of feelings. I I I think so. It's it's not the intellectual type, you know. Like uh, I'm a socialist. I'm a Marxist. I'm a I'm a conservative. No, it's it's more about melancholy, love, sex, and all, you know, all of this. And obviously, when you portray men. Like Katsuzo in the geisha you you can't show everything you know men they're like mask um imp-, imp- impassive you know uh masks uh over their faces so it's stoic stoic so if you want to sh- if you want to go beyond that if you if you want to show the flowers blossoming out <laughs> yeah you have to, to you have to portray the women and you have to portray the women fighting against other women or against men and then it becomes interesting it's and you get to the to the core of things so yes basically he was doing that throughout the 1980s he had he had been doing this before but with limitations and now he was doing that you know full throttle he was doing it without any limitation so it's this is something that i really like about his movies you know it's it's not a yes Ozu film, you know. It's not like uh, having nice conversation around the table, and it's you know, it's uh, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna love you. It's almost the same. It's
0: it's it's raw, but not uh, raw in this uh, way where it's too much to handle for a viewer. It's uh, I, I've noticed with onimasa Masa and the geisha, it's very easy to interpret the core story and the characters. Uh, so he was very good at providing a balance between uh, intense and sensitive and uh, he, he he comes across as a very focused filmmaker uh, if, uh, if you judge Onimasa and the geisha alone uh, in my eyes so it's been very rewarding to watch um, a couple of these uh, movies so far in the 80s and I have a few more left to go for the podcast and then privately I'll need to explore even more so
1: one one thing about the cat fights, it looks like it's very vulgar and gaudy and and stuff. It's, this 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 was not Hideo Gosha's point? I mean, there had been cat fights already in Hollywood movies. I think one with Marilyn D- Dietrich. Uh, there had been cat fights in Japanese films already, and uh, in a Shiro Toyoda film. Uh, like a, a woman and a woman and the cat, something like that, 1956. I may be mistaken. I don't remember precisely. But he, he wanted to do, he wanted to, to take this kind of trope, you know, fighting geisha. Fighting geisha is, is like a uh, sick geishas and fighting geishas is like, a, it's a big trope, you know, in Japanese literature, Japanese art, Japanese films. And he wanted to take that and go beyond and if you if you have a closer look at the cat fight in the geisha, it's when the two women, they fight over the sense of uh, hierarchy. You know, there's a hierarchy between the joro and, ge- and the geiko and geisha. The, ge- the joro are the prostitutes and uh, Mumuaka is, a uh, well, she makes love, too, but she's, she's supposed to be a geisha. Now there are all kinds of geishas, actually, and all kinds of prostitutes. You know, with different ranks. And uh, for example, in uh, it's it, it's it's very well explained in the film uh, Tokyo Bordello, 1987, when you see all the ranks between the, the 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 geisha and the prostitutes. So she obviously she wants to challenge the geisha. I mean, you you know better than I. I I'm gonna beat you to a pulp, and she fails. But Momowaka, who's a very sad woman and very introvert, introvert, she loves the fight. She she discovers her own, her own strength. And after the fight, she says in Japanese, "I had a duel with a wife. I had a fight. I had a, She says she says ketto, which is used also in samurai movies, like a uh, you know a a fight a sword fight. She doesn't use chambara, right? She she uses the word ketto which is the duel, and she says, I, I love this. And so the, the whole point is to show, you know, the, to go beyond the veneer, the beauty and the, the beautiful colors, and to show the beast, basically, and how it helps you feel alive. It's a very big issue in, it, in all his films, all his films. Let's remember that the three outlaw samurai have animal, Names, I, I, I mean, in the title, the, the, the three outlaw dog samurai and kiba, kiba, samurai wolf, it's a wolf. So, uh, I mean, it's very cliched, but it also serves to say that sometimes your animal instincts help you feel alive and not trapped in all the, the decorum and stuff and all the conventions of, of the social life. And, and and all the, the 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 censorship censorship like censorship censoring your um i mean bri- bridling your heart you know just to be a beautiful flower never say the truth hide your feelings because you want to have a position in life you want to have status you want to have a man you want to have and a wealthy man etc but sometimes momowaka she goes from this kind of woman, to a woman who tells the truth, fights. She, as you said, she cries out. Uh, men are enemies of uh, women, so it's all about this realization, and it's beautiful to see this. Uh, uh, not, I would say, not coming of age, but it's like an education, and and the fight is like an education too. I mean, sometimes you have to rip your kimono apart, and be an animal, and just realize who you are. So it's a very important fight and it's very long. So he wanted to do something very, very long to tell the audience that it's not only about fighting and punching and, and uh, ripping your hair apart. It's about fighting for who you want to be in life. And I think it's, a, it's beautifully conveyed through the fight and after the fight.
0: In, in regards to geisha in regards to Gorsha's desire to depict these various aspects i think that's uh, a very key scene uh, uh, when especially when you if you take in the entirety of geisha and uh, see what happens in the second half you realize so much of what he does plays a crucial part uh, these are not scheduled fights just because the producer said we need to have a fight uh, you know, it's not like these uh, old uh, uh, pinku cinema rules where it said that there needs to be three sex scenes uh, or two of those scenes, and then you're a real movie. <laughs> this sounds more like Gosha made made uh, logical choices and inserted scenes that were they were meant to be there and not scheduled to be there just because the audience expects a catfight which is very neat and we'll get to the geisha but i do want to mention about that scene the long fight scene i wonder how much of it was stunt coordinated or how much was improvised because after a while it just looks like the actors are as exhausted as the characters are they, they 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 are just slumped over and uh, the bathroom is shattered and they still want to fight a little bit and then they're tired <laughs> and and gosha just keeps fixating on that scene he never lets the camera go uh, until we, until we're exhausted and the actors are exhausted and 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 i wonder how many how much the stunt coordinator did detailed work and how much was just uh, uh, mildly improvised uh, but I guess we'll never know but it, it's a neat scene
1: we we know actually how it was done uh, there are a few stories behind this they're all funny funny anecdotes basically so he wanted to have a very long fight uh, and he, w- he wanted one of the geishas to uh, I think to crash a sugar window you know it's, it's made of sugar a uh, sugar window with her head through a glass door. But they were so busy fighting and, you know, tearing each other's hair apart that they forgot about the window. <laughs> um, and basically what he did was he manipulated the actresses a little bit. So he said, Tamako, so the Joro, the prostitute, Tamako, you're the star. She says you're a bitch. You're the one. <laughs> you have to fight. And he said that I'm like, Momowaka. She, she's She's jealous. Wow. She, she, wants, she wants to beat you, but you, you're the star. So, so it was yeah it was like stage directions, you know a, a little bit. And he said, "Now you don't have lunch or dinner together. okay? <laughs> now you're enemies. I don't want you to to say hello to each other. I don't want you to have to, 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 I don't want to see you having lunch together." So there was some kind of tension, you know. And then Gosha rehearsed the scene a little bit uh, with, uh, you know, the male assistant. And he said, okay, let's do this. And then you should go there. Okay. So, and and then he, he said to one of the actresses, okay, when the, when the fight starts, you're going to do this. This gesture. And you're going to tell the other actress that you're going to do this gesture. And then you're going to change everything. So just tell her you're going to do this. And when the fight starts, you're going to do that. Wow. And she will be surprised and shocked. And maybe she will take the cue. And, you know, it will evolve into something else. So basically, it was a little bit choreographed. And it was open to improv. So what happens is that when they were fighting, I've seen women fighting myself as when I was younger, you know, at school. Maybe you've seen two two girls fighting, and basically they're all over the floor and uh, tearing their their hair mm-hmm. and uh, kicking uh, their bodies, and it was, it's it looks it really looks like the thing I, I've seen in my in my uh, younger days outside a Gosha film. Uh, and so when they started fighting, I mean, it was not choreography anymore; it was just uh, pure instincts. And so the cameraman was ready for that. He said, "I uh, we're gonna do a, a wide take, and then I'm gonna do a track, a slow tracking shot. And I'm gonna uh, z- not zoom, you know. I'm gonna do a tracking shot and follow them as they fight. And they, so they they kept on fighting, and they were exhausted.
0: Oh, it possible. looks like it. It looks like it.
1: I mean, the, for for six, I don't know for how long they they fought, but it was. So exhausted at the, the end, you know, there's, there's zero choreography. I mean, there's just two two beastly women, you know, uh, uh, fighting. You know what what you see in the film,
0: and 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 yet it makes sense for the story. So I'm so glad that improvisation and psychological mind games still generated something that was needed for the story of the geisha because uh after that point we, we won't spoil it and but uh, after that point a lot of things changes between uh the relationship between the characters uh, ch- changes
1: you have to understand one thing some critics hated those kinds of films like the geisha i think it was one direct one critic in the 1970s he said that films um films transcend go beyond the traditional uh, the traditional uh, sensitivity uh, of japanese people i mean you know it should be all about uh about appearances you know you have to save face you don't show your emotions you know you know what i mean what we all know about japanese i mean uh, social culture you know like you, you don't have to show your true colors you don't have to show your true face you don't have to express emotions. It's true. It's true up to a certain degree. So Gosha, when you, when you watch a film by Gosha, it's, he said, my films are like a big bubble bath of emotions,
2: hmm.
1: of passions. You know, it's boiling hot. He, I think he hated, he, I think he really, literally desecrated the facade, the nice facade of all the the traditional films, you know, mm-hmm. you no, know, and the same goes for a film like the Ballad of Narayama. You know, it was uh, it was quite shocking for Japanese people to to watch. You know, like there's a one of the sons makes love to a, a dog, and uh, they're all sexually uh, hungry people and always thinking about sex and, and stuff. These are aspects which Gosha wanted to address, and he said. As a director, you have to film. I mean, it's not like a Pinkuega, as you said. I mean, but he said you have to film a sex scene and a murder scene to be a true director. If you don't film a sex scene because you're ashamed and you don't know how to direct your actors and actresses, then you should be ashamed. You, you, have, you really have to address these these uh, maybe darker aspects of life because sex is not about all pretty colors and stuff you know he wanted to address the yes the, the darker aspects of of life in, including the old, all the passions and all the impulses and all the instincts i think he he liked that to a sadistic level
0: and and yet it's as we've discussed many times it often comes off as that there's uh You said these weren't uh, highbrow intellectual movies that talked of uh, uh, nice things in life, but it's still depth, Robin, and depth can be intellectual and intelligent, and it's certainly a type of character depth and theme depth that I personally like a lot more. For instance, I mean, it's no surprise to any listeners of the podcasts, but I'm I'm not a big fan of arthouse movies, of uh, abstract movies i like movies that uh, are more direct but that being direct doesn't mean that you you're less clever or anything uh, being direct can still mean that you you are quite affected as a as a viewer and uh, i mean for uh, for for the Geisha it's probably the first Gorsha movie that that uh, made me <laughs> made me sad it really made me sad and i won't spoil why but it, it affected me quite emotionally despite being an intense film when you watch the characters uh, too, so uh, that was very interesting. Uh, we we'll get back to the geisha because we we've uh, talked about some very good specifics, but uh, we promised that uh, we will we would talk shortly because I wanted to include some more movies about a later movie called Death Shadows, which uh, was the last Chambara movie made on the Daiya Studios, and you you can see it's made on. Quite a cool studio space, but I have to tell you, Robin, it's my least favorite Gorsha movie that I've seen. Uh, I don't know what its reputation is with the Japanese fans, but for me, this was this had too many too many elements, too too much plot, too many threads of plot to, and, and I couldn't understand it to be honest. Granted, it's very stylish, and it looks like Gorsha is having quite a lot of fun and he's not taking it doesn't seem like a very serious movie movie but it's it's quite confusing for from the beginning you understand a fair few things uh, these the depiction of these shadow cops that are pronounced dead but they are they are kept alive in secret uh, to perform assassinations then a father and daughter meet who uh, the daughter presumed the father was dead, and they meet as enemies, kind of, but then they resolve their differences. But that's Robin is only the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then there are a lot of strange... Not strange, but he uses uh, dancing scenes, uh, performance art scenes, as transitions between scenes and plots. And then the movie turns really almost comedic. There's a character called Hell uh, that uh, he smiles all the time and cackles he has a very he, he laughs all the time and he's he's a very over-the-top actor and i don't mind robin a a wild type of time with chambara it's so it could be fun when it's all about uh, having fun and being extreme and portraying things extremely so so i don't dislike that character but what i disliked was the fact that i i couldn't understand the the plot because there are so many names thrown out about clans and people and conflicts and after a while it was just uh, too incoherent to appreciate. I I, I couldn't find any hooks. I couldn't find something to relate to. So even after a while that uh, that tone that was both violent and comedic and then the lady came on the screen to dance a little bit more. After a while that became a little bit irritating because I couldn't understand the movie. <laughs> it's a surprisingly blood-free samurai movie except for some select moments. Uh, for, for a Gorsha movie you expect a lot more blood but there is, actually isn't a lot of blood in this movie. The the set design and costume design that's that's very fun. There are some Cool uh, ideas like uh, a character by the end of the movie is uh, uh, falls into a trap door and that trap door leads into a pit of corpses, which is cool. It's a it's a, a cool uh, graphic inclusion in the movie. But if I'm being honest, uh, I, I'm obviously not angry at Gorsha for making death, death shadows. But it was more frustrating to watch them fun because it was too convoluted as, as a story but again I might be very alone and this might be regarded as a classic of the Chambara genre but it, it, it is my least favorite Gosha movie Robin so uh, what is your personal view of Death Shadows? Do, do you like it or do you think it's problematic?
1: I know that Death Shadows has a few fans among, among critics but not many, not many fans I'm afraid he was probably so desperate to do something new with the genre that he made something that was obviously not new anymore. Uh, that was one criticism. Uh, writer Shotaro Ikenami, whom we talked about earlier, you know, the, the author of uh, Kumokiri Nizaemon, Hunter in the Dark, and he said, This, this director always wants to do something new. And there's nothing, new, there's nothing new anymore about the new things he wants to make in his films. So he was very, very critical of, uh, of Gauche's approach. Well, Ga- you have to remember one thing. He can be a bad director, too. <laughs> <laughs> and he has the right to be, obviously. Being a, te- a, tele- a television director, he felt like he had to do... More and more and more than a normal director, in order to impress everybody, I guess. Yeah, in in the in the 1990s, before uh, shortly before he died, he said in an interview, uh, "My fi- I always want to include in my films something that would impress uh, the audience, and my approach is based on the hattari, which is a Japanese word, which means." Uh, trying to woo you over, you know, trying trying to leave you impressions after the film. So even if I fail, if I have succeeded one, two, or three scenes in the in the film that I made, then it's not it's not only a failure. So he was trying to do something new with the jidaigeki, with the chambara genre. He had a whole bunch of, of young actresses at the time, and he loved to to work with them. And so he thought, using actresses, using women, I can, I can do a mixture of um, eroticism and chambara, uh, which he felt was more interesting. And he he started to think about that in the 1970s, probably in 1978 or 79. He said, I would like to do a new a new genre of chambara. With more eroticism and more passion,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so not only about you know the honor, the honorable samurai, you know, wandering around in in the countryside and and uh, you know and thinking about what it means to be a samurai or a man. He wanted to 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 do some kind of cocktail with uh, more women. So basically, in the 1980s, so he was doing as you said female centered films so it was the same approach in death shadows uh, originally it was a gekiga which means an adult a manga for adults which he co-penned i think he i'm not sure he was the author of of, of of the gekiga it's very hard to find actually in libraries it's i mean it's nowhere to be found today so it's a, it's a manga and he wanted to do the film with Natsume Masako, which was his favorite actress from Onimasa. And he really loved this young actress. But she died in 1985 from leukemia. And so he was like a father without a daughter anymore. I mean, in films, he had a daughter. Yes, obviously, but this was the perfect actress, Masako Natsume. And she died too soon. So he was always looking for the, for the next big, young actress. He had, Natsuki Mari was a very nice actress. You know, she plays the the, the bad girl in Death Shadows. Mm-hmm. She was a very nice actress, but he couldn't use her as a heroine, so as a young heroine. He could use her in very erotic scenes, like with uh, Naoto Takenaka, you know, licking the, the, the foot the, of the actress. And So he was always looking for an actress. And then the agent for uh, Mariko Ishihara, uh, came to see Gosha and said, "Maybe my Mariko could do the role. So how about trying to do the film with her?" And so Gosha said, "Okay, okay, we'll do the film with Mariko Ishihara. I'm not sure she's a good actress. Actually, um, she doesn't convey what uh, Gosha was looking like, was looking for. I mean, the film has um, something something empty at the core." Mm-hmm it doesn't work, really work and the plot is too convoluted so basically you have to to watch the film for the the colors uh the atmosphere uh the erotic scenes the the, the stupid uh sword fights <laughs> i mean he wanted to use ribbons and why was that because at the time you know the the rhythmic gym- gymnastics were very popular in japan and, you know, and so he, he thought, well, I want to make something new, so let's use ribbons. And the the action choreographer said, uh, ribbons, sorry, ribbons, <laughs> uh, how, can, how can you fight a sword with a ribbon? Yep. Uh, but the original idea was not ribbons, it was whips, right. which would have been very nice, very sadistic, very violent, like uh, uh, a woman with a whip against a man with a sword. That's very a uh, very, very cool idea. But... You know the rhythmic gymnastic was so popular. He, he 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 shifted his idea and and used ribbons. And on the set, it just didn't work. He had a choreographer and, Mr. Gosha, it doesn't work with the ribbons. I don't care. Let's try to find new ideas so that it works. So they this is why they use the idea of the tory. You know she rolls the ribbons around the tory and then she pulls, on the ribbon and then uh, strangles uh the, the bad cop that that kind of stuff but it was I mean it was a little bit cheesy it was not it was not very good uh, but I think he was just exploring and having fun. I I don't think it was so important at the time. He just wanted to experiment with the genre one more time. This was probably his last last sword movie, yes his last Chambaro movie. And he was probably a little bit rusty with the genre at the time. It's
0: not a bad idea to have to to come come at a genre piece with a new approach, and because uh, being being an idea man is a good thing. But uh, even the best directors, as you said, their ideas not does not always come to to fruition. Even though they believe in the ideas, they believe in the ribbons, the ribbons. It's the hot hip thing of nineteen eighty six. We need to have it. <laughs> and and sometimes it doesn't work I mean that's why I can't be mad at a movie like Death Shadows but it uh, it left my consciousness quite quickly because I didn't think it um, it worked. Uh, there are images you remember of course the dancing scenes that happen between scenes and of course some violence and and the character of Hell which will either make you very irritated or will make you think that this movie is awesome because he's, he has a character that is let loose
1: He's a very well-known actor and director. He's a Takenaka Naoto. He's in every Japanese film you have ever seen, actually. He's, he, he always gets a, a small role. And um, he, he, he was uh, one of the co-stars of uh, Shall We Dance, uh, a very famous Japanese film. Uh, he's, a, he's a funny guy. I met him, I met him once. He, he, could, he, he can swallow his fist with his mouth. I, 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 a, po- I, I, a party trick. I've got the picture. <laughs> it's, it's it's true. I'm not lying. He he can swallow his his whole fist, uh, so he has an elastic mouth. But he has a very elastic uh, style of uh, of yes of, of of performance too. But I mean, basically, he had a, a an ongoing friendship with Gosha. Gosha first used him uh, in the tracks, and he was a young actor, and he he was not playing very well and gosha was like you know this fatherly figure you know i'm going to i'm going to teach you how to play you, you keep trying okay so he he loved to play guy and so he used him in uh three or four films like for example the chambara scenes mr takenaka you can play them the way you want so takenaka was was feeling a little bit ashamed because he was a left-handed man and he felt that he was not very good with the, the chambar stuff. So 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 Gosha telling him, okay, just don't it's 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 no big matter, okay? Just play the scenes as you want to play them. You you can you can improvise. So Takinaka said, well I love Bruce Lee. Can I play Bruce Lee mode? Can I play the Bruce Lee way of doing Chambar? Yes, okay, okay. (laughs) Let's try Bruce Lee because Gosha was a big fan of movies, obviously, and he knew about Hong Kong stuff and Bruce Lee. So it it felt funny, you know, to to, to try. (laughs) Very heretic in a way, but I think... Gosha liked this idea a lot. I mean, you know, he liked to go against the the traditional stuff.
0: And 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 that's what you find in Death Shadows. And it, it's a worthwhile watch because, uh, especially after hearing hearing your background, it, it is a worthwhile watch if you're invested in Gosha. But uh, I I wouldn't blame you if you didn't walk if you walked away from the movie thinking that. This was confusing and strange, and uh, and uh, not the best Chambara movie I've ever I've ever seen. But there are a lot of them, so uh, sometimes the ideas that's fun on set might not generate a good movie necessarily. But uh, it was a unique experience, of course. So. Um. So yeah, <laughs> uh, let's uh, resume a little bit our discussion of the geisha. We, we we've talked of some uh, aspects of it uh, or some specific scenes, but uh, let's uh, resume and share the rest of our notes, I suppose, on the geisha. And uh, to give you a little bit of what the movie is about, we've uh, hinted uh, at at it. But uh, I took the plot from the Amazon website that uh, goes a little bit. Like this and again this movie is from 1983 and the plot goes as follows. Uh, Yokiro was the most successful geisha house in western Japan during the first half of the 20th century and remains open to this day. At its peak it was home to over 200 geisha, however behind the fabulous facade there were many battles between family members, men and women and with the Yakuza. Momokawa, played by Ikigami Kimiko, was sold to Yokio at the age of 12 and despite being the top geisha, her many complicated relationships uh, provide unending challenges throughout her glamorous but turbulent life. I- if I were to give a short opinion, first of all, I- I- I've sort of stated that I-, I think it's a very accomplished film, but uh, to uh, elaborate a little bit on that, uh, as with Onimasa, I-, I get the sense that Gosha Gosha's apparently troubled and emotional mindset made for some of the most almost sensitive and tender dramatic cinema that I've ever seen from him. It's an intense character portrayal, but uh, as I said, I expected something more, even more angry based on the descriptions and i came away thinking that it's probably one of his best movies at the very least one of his best dramas that i've seen it's very approachable it's easy to understand it's it's in a way down to earth um uh, there there are not too many characters (laughs) and it's about a few the main character for instance uh, is in this sad life cycle that the profession has created for her, being a geisha, she hasn't been able to flourish in life but she wants to be her own individual she wants to achieve happiness and outside of that the world is changing into the modern world there is violence there is tragedy, but it's all very affecting and uh, emotionally engaging he, he's not uh, l- l- like Death Shadows he, here he doesn't make it a hugely stylish movie, it's a very straightforward Movie, but uh, that doesn't make it boring. And also, he's got terrific performances out of his female and male cast. So, for those people who only know Gorsha from from the past movies, the the samurai movies, um, and didn't think Gorsha had something sensitive and tender in him, then Geisha might uh, might change. That opinion because i i i I would show this to anyone who wants to see a different side of uh gosha if they only seen you know hitokiri and then seen violent streets and uh, cash calls hell and movies like that that are very that that are much more loud Uh, but but this one uh, provides counterbalance to some of the some of the other movies which is uh, just nice to have in a director's work that uh, that the geisha exists as well as violent streets and uh, free outlaws samurai it makes me very happy that uh, he has this uh, as part of his
1: uh, as part of his no, I, I did you had experience the geisha it, uh, see geisha uh, in, uh, very early, early on when you started exploring geisha, uh, or you, when we, you when, when didn't see it until the dvd fe- you know, fe- the french dvd was, in Japan. was ready for the so geisha? i watched it around uh, the year 2005 probably I had a copy from uh, from a friend or from Wildside. I don't remember. I loved it. Uh, you have to know the background a little bit. I don't think the Yokiro, the Geisha House, exists anymore. I mean, it had different uh, names, and the Golden Age was the 1930s. And after the war, it was renamed Tokugetsuro was the was one of the different names and then when the novel tomio miyako's novel was published it seems like it was renamed yokiro uh, which is a name which means something it's about um it's about a um a tree something about a tree the name the name of the geisha house uh and, and then but it's i don't think it's a geisha house anymore there are no, there are no geisha houses like that in, in in japan like big geisha houses i mean the tosa kochi region has retained one of the traditions which is liote uh, Liote is big restaurants where you can enjoy uh, like lunches or dinners uh, with geisha uh, whether you're a man or a wim- or a woman y- theres you, c- you can have a, a women women only lunch with geisha. you can have a man only lunch with geisha you know it's all about formula. I mean you have to understand one thing. Hideo Gosha belongs to a generation of men who lost their values, you know, traditional values after the war. And all their films are about questioning identities in uh, s- small communities pre-mod- of the pre-modern Japanese society before, you know, all the issues uh, about uh, gender equality, uh, democracy, individual freedom, individual rights. Uh, this is not something which Hideo Gosha cared about. He 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 came from from a world of yakuza prostitutes zigen, which means like brothel pimps. This is the world, the kind of world he he liked, or hated at the same time. And this is the world which he explored in the 1980s in, in films such as The Geisha. It's the pre-modern. Japan and also the yakuza, the yakuza, all the yakuza films which the, the 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 Japanese movie fans love are about the pre-modern uh mindsets the pre-modern communities where you you know the bad the bad uh boss is a capitalist and uh, the pure yakuza lonely yakuza is is represents pre-modern society and more traditional uh, emotions and mindsets. So he, he wanted to explore all the emotions, the possible emotions, all the gamut of love and hatred between men and women in those pre-modern communities. And he said, the, before Japan society before the war had all those kinds of smaller communities. And this is the world that I come from. And this is the world that I like, that I know. I know I don't really care about democracy, about money that much, about capitalism. I care about the emotions of of human beings. That, that, that's why he was a very sensitive director. He was not an insensitive director at all. And so he said that in the nineteen eighty three interview. That that's the kind of world I want to explore in my films. Well, you know, obviously a film like um uh violent streets is, is ironic you know we have the tamba tetsuro yakuza flying over the ruins of to- uh, not not, uh, not the ruins but flying over tokyo in a helicopter in a chopper and saying like we're going to build this here we're going to build that there so you know it's the end of the traditional pre-modern world obviously even the yakuza are now a uh, businessman and everything is 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 now disappearing so, yes, obviously, there's something about all the melancholy comes from the uh, it's the last years or the last decade of a world that's going to disappear. And obviously, writers like Nagai Kafu, you know, a very famous Japanese writer, He this is the kind of world which he loved, you know, the the world of the floating world, in a way, you know, the world, the world of pleasures, the world of emotion, you know, it's, Basically, these two worlds sometimes these two Japanese different worlds, you know the samurai Bushido world, which we we know through the films, the samurai films, and the geisha the 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 passion world the 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 erotic world this these are two different worlds, and sometimes even the samurai liked to go into this world of pleasures. You know, even a a guy like, you know, Miyamoto Musashi, I mean, he had a geisha in his life. You know, Uh, Hideo Gosha knew about all these worlds. He knew about the samurai world. He knew about the geisha world. He knew about the prostitution world. He knew about the pimp world. He he grew up among pimps. So he knew about pimps. He was probably the son of of a very low rank geisha, probably a Joro, a prostitute. So people say that he was the son of a a prostitute and a yakuza, probably a a bakuto, a card player. So he knew about how difficult it is to to assert your own uh, identity in such a world. It's a hidden world. It's a shadow world, which society does not want to recognize or wants to purify. This is the world he knew, and he wanted to portray it. It, before it completely completely disappeared in his films.
0: It, to to me, therefore, it him being so at home with these worlds that makes his work even more inspiring because he was able to put that. On screen in a compelling way, he was able to extract that, and I, I think it came comes to fruition uh, very well in *Invagasia*. He, he he gives a good sense of the world, and there's uh, so, so many instances of good attention to detail and also tension yes. in these small spaces. For instance, how the movie opens with the uh, it's a theater space, it's a small theater space that is invaded by by assassins and uh, those simple touches like uh, the images of of a blade in the frame makes you feel a little bit tense and of course as the 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 violence happens uh, almost uh, in a silent way as as the character in flashback flees into the cold and gets killed out in the cold there's no sound effects there's no dialogue there's a little bit of music uh, or the wind is going on but i think it's a good example of uh, you can make violence very uh, terrifying without being uh, graphic yeah, because it feels uh, it's both intensely cold and someone gets killed in a very uh, in in a very uh, harsh environment and uh, so it's his it very um, it's his um, setup for the story. Obviously, this is uh, t- takes place twenty years earlier, and then he flashes forward to uh, twenty years later when we uh, when we see uh, Momowaka getting ready to accept some of her first customers. Um, she 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 looks a bit sad. She she's not f- fully fully decked out in geisha mode compared to later stages in the movies i'm thinking the first scene where she gets she walks up the stairs to the customer is probably mm-hmm. one of her first customers first free customers in in life and she isn't ready for for this man to to jump her to uh, take advantage of her right away so so you 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 sit there and wonder if uh, where this character is going to go, if this character is going to be stronger, or if this is the start of something incredibly sad and uh, and melancholic. And I think it's a mixture of everything because I, as, as you touched upon, these characters were they had fighting spirit, they had determination, they had goals in life. But being a geisha doesn't mean you can't dictate. Exactly how you want to create your life goals. You you can't leave the geisha world just like that, just because you want to. And and I and, and I think that's a very compelling sort of core story that Gosha starts to to build for us. So that uh, the, it's this life cycle where you you become very glamorous on the outside, but you have to be a little bit emotionally cold. But what what I like about the momowaka character is that she refuses to 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 be fully cold and she she ha- she has a goal in life and she wants to she she wants to make decisions on her own despite those decisions not being good for the geisha house and all of that so and i'm talking about characters a lot because it, what what i want to, uh, to come across is the fact that the geisha is not this big history lesson it's a very uh, approachable human dramatic story so it's a just because it's a 1920s 1930s period piece doesn't mean it's hard to uh, appreciate because Gosha is uh, is not uh, asking us to read history books beforehand just to understand this uh, because if, if we understand humans then it's easy to uh, to appreciate um, what is going on here and, and he's also clever Robin that he uh, he's talking about how the modern world is changing around. The geisha, and I think that that's the most compelling mm. visual storytelling that the the new century is becoming a lot more modern. There's even a a dancing scene essentially. They're in a dance mm. club, the geisha, and I I can't remember many movies, Robin, where you see the geisha dance away in a modern in a modern way. It almost seems like the, it's two different worlds meeting in one, and I I, I thought that was very unique. Uh, Based on my Japanese cinema viewing uh, viewing habits, uh, I've never seen it uh, done like that. So, uh, uh, but but the point is, he, he's he's very sh- he he's very sharp, Gosha. He's incredibly confident at depicting characters. We understand it, but he doesn't need to. Uh, he doesn't need to over explain what is going on, which is uh, a good skill to have. To uh, he, he doesn't have. Voiceover on the soundtrack, where where she explains what she's feeling all the time, or or Ken Ogata isn't explaining what he's feeling all the time. If anything, Ken Ogata's character is so quiet that you don't know where he's, you don't know really what his development is going to be like, and that's also a good thing. So um, I, I I really responded to this character, this character depiction, even though past viewers of gosha movies might find it slow I, I don't know i don't find it slow but may, maybe they're, they're not used to it. it's a film where everything so comes talk together and focus in a on very beautiful way um, it's and
1: it's he, really as, as he, i told he, he you he comes you know, across a, as very confident in one Gausha. of our emails <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was it was a so film um, meant for nakadai and nakadai said well i'm gonna do run with uh Kurosawa. you know a small film called run uh, you know, a B movie. So, <laughs> uh, so obviously, I, I love to do the geisha, but you know, um, Mr. Kurosawa is, is, <laughs> is you know, uh, is um, pestering, pestering me, uh, yeah, pressing me not to, to do any any other film while, uh, while we are shooting Run. And so Gosha said, and it's very funny. Gosha said, okay, out of Jingi, I will not bother. Mr. Tenno Emperor Kurosawa in any way. Okay. Uh, with, you know <laughs> Jingi, the, the, the code of honor among Yakuza. So he was employing a Yakuza language to say that basically he would, would leave Mr. Kurosawa alone and Mr. Nakadai alone to do their films, run. So, and so he had to find another actor, um, which was uh, Ogata Ken. Ogata Ken had just filmed, you know, The Ballad of Narayama, Mm-hmm. Which was a Palme d'Or winner, and he has the same kind of 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 in a way the same kind of performance in a, in the film The Geisha. Very quiet, very introvert. Very. It's all about the face. It's all about the emotions on the fa- on on the face of uh, Ogata King. Exactly.
0: And yet you can't read him fully until the end of the film, which I very much like, because he seems—he he says with pride that I'm a small trader in prostitution. And you almost think that this is a pure, uh, purely cold and even evil yeah. character. And without spoiling it, things are not as obvious as you might think. And he communicates that with so little, yet we understand it. Fully, 100%, like and a snake. I, I feel, with like very like few a, movements presence, in his. Uh, acting yeah, snake, because he, like he, a snake it's, in the shadows. It's yeah. Nearly you a silent performance one, say, in a way the pimps, he, he uses the, his the, presence the, the, the in an very very appealing way like, and death. Uh,
1: Katsuzo yes. in the Geisha. They were very, very looked down upon by society to the point that um, the son, sons or daughters of pimps like that. Of Zegen. You know, there's a famous film by Imamura Shohei called Zegen, 1987. And it's about, uh, it's with Ogata Ken. It's a licensing agent, you know, selling prostitutes all over Asia, Southeast Asia. And uh, it's uh, basically selling Karayuki san. Karayuki san was the name of the, of the young prostitutes bought in the countryside of Japan and then sold, you know, to the, the colonies of Japan. So these these characters were very, very much frowned frowned upon by society. And if you were the daughter, for example, of a, of a pimp like that, like the writer Tomiko Miao, you were denied access to schooling because uh, your, the, the family papers showed that the, the, the father was a pimp, so you couldn't go to school, actually. So there was ostracism. So this is a character that has no pride, actually. You know, it's all about the lost pride uh, as a man and uh, it's about so it's about how can i find my pride as a man when i'm selling young girls to brothels or geisha houses so the, so you see this man torn torn apart by his own lack of pride and how can i be a good father if i have no pride if i if i can't believe in myself as a man and how can I love a woman if I have no pride in myself? So this kind, you know, a bad karma cycle, you know, which was something which uh, mm. Gosha wanted to explore a little bit, and but it's it's interesting that it's uh, the, the 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 Ogata Ken character was very personal for the writer Tomiko Miyao, and was very personal for, for Gosha too, because the character says in the latter part the later part of the film. Don't don't underestimate me, which is again the same sentence as in Onimasa, and it was actually at this point it was Gosha saying, "Don't underestimate me as a director. Look what I've the kind of film that I can make." And the geisha went on to win uh, many awards. So you know it's 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 this you know parallel psychological story about a director coming from the lower strat- stratum of society and uh, trying to be an accomplished man and an accomplished director and an accomplished father. Now, it's all about this coalescing coalescing of, of, of things in the film.
0: That makes it come to life... Um... Even more, uh, especially now that we have the, the the real life intruding a little bit on the movie, movie intruding a little bit on real life, which is uh, a, a neat balance. And and and, and also, Gosha is so confident that he he. It's a fairly long film, but still, it he has no hurry getting the plot in full motion. He drops little seeds into the plot slowly but surely, like like again the character of Tamako, uh, played by Asano Atsuko who who wants to be a geisha she wants to be sold as a geisha but she thinks she earns it just by being a woman <laughs> uh, and she uh, she's um she has an attitude and maybe even an attitude problem uh, she thinks uh, just because she has uh, the female equipment and and the attitude i i can be a geisha this easy and i i don't want to spoil too much but uh, one of the great strengths of the Geisha is the fact that you, you think you know characters, but and their demeanor and where they're going to end up and what you think of them, but you don't. Because he, he's going to take different paths for these characters that you didn't necessarily expect based on their external attitude as characters. And uh, that makes also the performances come to life so much more when, when there is so much more drama to uh, to be told you know asano Atsoko she's really good at being defiant she's really good at being um, almost ignorant and naive but there is that other side to her that's going to, going to be very evident in the film that makes that performance come to life so much more and it shows that he had a very accomplished actress on his hand that could change demeanor very easily from from cold to warm a little bit without spoiling it too much um, and uh, but but also i mean the star of the movie Kim- kimiko ikigami her expressive face is something that must stick with every viewer of the geisha that expressive but sad face even underneath the full geisha makeup and wig and uh also, the the later emotional stages in the movie, she's obviously the the more tragic aspects of a movie it comes through as well. But I think yeah, it's like a trio of exceptional performances and engaging characters that you think are gonna be so some you think are gonna be very unlikable, yet there's twists to that that makes you easily sit for a long time I mean it's 140 minutes it doesn't seem very long but yes it's still a two hour movie that requires your attention and your engagement and I think Gorsha is dropping the seeds in a very wise way throughout the entire movie so you you remain interested in where the characters go and if there is any hope for 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 instance our, our Geisha if she's going to be able to find happiness or not or come to an understanding with her father or not then it's not easy i think robin to to make a uh, make a story like this um as you said you need to understand the world and if you understand the world w- well then i think you can much easier and much more skillfully create this uh, family drama to a, to an extent so i i think Listening to you talking about his understanding of the, this world, Gosha's understanding of this world, I think is one of the key aspects for the geisha actually working for you. you because uh, you you just uh, you 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 just immerse yourself in this world because he understands how to depict it and then also focus on the characters and uh, and barely any violence. Because there, there, there's no need for, for violence in this movie necessarily. It's only at select uh, select sections. So uh, that's why, I don't know if uh, people, um, m- modern viewers might not like this side of Gorsha. The more talky, the more dialogue driven, the more character driven Gorsha. But uh, I think it would be a shame if they didn't. Because I think it's much more rewarding when he's uh, being this good. Uh, blood is fine. Blood, blood is fun but uh but uh, depth and character drama is a lot more fun <laughs> for me it's a lot more rewarding you know
1: yeah and it's it's all about hierarchy uh, as well you know it's all about hierarchy for the for all the characters about about challenging uh the the, the hierarchies of of uh, of their social of the, their social world mm-hmm. like like you're a geisha and and more than hierarchies It's also a matter of hierarchy for for Gosha as a director. It's like, you are a television director, you've made a few films, (laughs) a few movies, but you will never be a great movie director. No, I will be a great director one day. I will be awarded prizes. I will be recognized, uh, you know, and it's the same for the characters. Like, you're a a prostitute, you're a no-good woman, you would never be an accomplished woman, you will be nobody. It's only your bar- body that matters, and your breasts, and to And to uh, Momowaka, you're a geisha. You're a geisha. It's all about the the uh, the appearances, the facade, the de- decorum. You should know. Sh- you should you shouldn't show your true feelings. You should play with men, and you know, take advantage of them. And it's all about you know the the tragic comedy of 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 life in in this world, and how when you start to show your true feelings, and how it it. It leads you to, to, you know, how it feeds your fighting spirit, and how it it leads you to fight to, to do some some of the the the, uh, the limitations in life, and it so it's it's Gosha fighting at the same time with all the with all the cast and with all this his talent.
0: And 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 again, and I I think I'll conclude my notes right here. The the best thing about the the, the geisha is the fact that all of this comes through it's very evident Gorsha doesn't hide it in the background his uh, drama and his themes. So it still comes through as a very mature and emotionally affecting work. I mean there are scenes towards the last 20-30 minutes that are some of the most sad dramatic scenes I've seen Gorsha. It's not a surprise I suppose say that there's violence in this in these movies but uh, the, the the more sad moments are are these uh, little dialogue touches, and in, and sometimes, especially for so some of the best acting is not even him talking; it's more reacting, and uh, his snake-like appearance uh, being being quite uh, yeah, that, that that there is a human uh, inside there, which is very very touching, and uh, it it certainly earned. Awards. I mean, uh, w- w- without researching it, uh, w- would this be the first time that the big Japanese Academy Award, gave Gosha, such such distinguished honors like Best Director and Best Screenplay, and the actresses, would that be the first time?
1: Uh, uh, it's the first time. I mean, I mean, Onimasa was sub- submitted for Oscar nominations uh, as Best Foreign Film. Uh, you you would have you'd, you'd have to check uh, Kenneth. I don't remember.
0: I think it was. It, it certainly wasn't uh, uh, accepted as far as I know or won. But uh, but winning locally in Japan such distinguished awards such as director and screenplay and actress and cinematography. It uh, it, it wasn't the best film in Japan that year. But uh, it it just seems to me that this was the first time. the the elite, the elite awards, even though awards, he might not have cared for them that much, I I don't know, but uh, it it certainly must have felt nice that a a good movie, I hope he was proud of this movie, but a good movie that you should be proud of also was recognized at the end of the cinematic year as uh, something that was uh, worthy of best director, because... um, he, he certainly was he, he, it's not a flashy movie it, it sometimes even looks like a static tv movie he doesn't consciously work, move the camera a lot but that's to its advantage you can engage in the dialogue and drama and set and costume design so much more because he doesn't uh he doesn't throw the camera around a lot and uh i i think that's the that's the better choice really uh
1: Yes, there, there's one interview with uh, Kitano Takeshi. He shows that he's a more intellectual type. When he, he said in the interview, he said that I don't like B action movies because there's no there's no rhythm, meaning the Japanese rhythm. You know the the ma. You know where time is space and space is time, and you have to respect a certain rhythm, and you have to know how to introduce your action scenes, and uh, you know. And you, But you have to respect, you know, like a two-hour film, mostly. Uh, Geisha is two hours and 15 or 20 minutes. So this is Gosha learning how to do not a B-action movie, but a long character piece with a, a very slow tempo. And I think it, in the 1960s, he was wondering about he was already uh, questioning his own films and when he made hitokiri you know samurai wolf was 1 hour and 15 minutes maybe yeah it was short very short they very, very short and they were considered like b action movies and so he was very frustrated and so he made goyokin which was like a 2 hour movie but it was again it was considered a, an action an action movie so he was very very frustrated and then he made hitokiri Hitokiri, like a, a two-hour and 20 minutes film, maybe, and with, um, a, let's say, a more Japanese rhythm. Like, and um, uh, it has both a slow tempo and very big action scenes, chambara. it has everything. It was, he thought it was the best film he had ever made, and then nothing. He didn't get any big prize. And then the film, you know, had to disappear for a while because of Mishima's death. So, I, I mean, he was frustrated you know, during the 70s. I mean, I, I've done my best film and then nothing, you know. And so he came back with a vengeance, you know, <laughs> at the end of the 1970s. And then throughout the 1980s, I mean, he, was top, he was top of the world. I mean, he was one of the best Japanese directors, big budget movies. You know, The Geisha is a $4 million, four million dollar, uh, film. I mean, Goyokin was already at $3.3 million in terms of budget. So, you know, important films.
0: Despite being shot so much outdoors, uh, Goyokin was.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very expensive because oh, wow. he was shot outdoors. Uh, and then, you know, he, he was still a little bit frustrated. So, you know, everybody says that I, I don't understand women, I don't portray women right, that I don't understand their psychology, that I make vulgar films, uh, only women fighting and stuff, or too sentimental. And so he was still still feeling a little bit frustrated. He was he was he had he had some greater recognition than before, but he was still still trying to make the film that would earn him the 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 the, the I mean the total recognition. Mm-hmm. And it never it never came into be, it never came into fruition. It never came into being. It never happened really. But he was he was trying to be, to make the best films he could in terms of artistry. Without forgetting the audience, uh, he had his own, you know, he had his own approach. Like, I have to do an action scene for the audience. I have to do a big scene. I have to do a big surprising scene for the audience. But I have to, I have to study my character as well. So he was trying, always fighting, you know, to, to, will I get to make the big film that would, that will earn me recognition if I'm always thinking about the audience, if I make a film only for myself, not for the audience, will it be a better film? If I make a film for the critics, will the critics <laughs> appreciate it? he was always trying to find a balance as you said
0: and 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 it sounds like he was thinking of that very early in his career too and 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 I think that that's a good sign of a director not Content with just sitting back and uh, doing movies just confidently because I, I I can make some violence on screen that will be good. Right now it seems like he was always thinking of what are my next steps and I I can't be uh, in limbo as a filmmaker because it's not in my character to uh, to shut up and uh, and just uh, work. It's uh, there's a greater purpose and. Uh, it doesn't matter if it happens later in his career because it still happened. Thankfully, it really came to fruition with uh, with this movie. I haven't seen Tract yet, which uh, again was quoted as uh, as, a, as one of his masterpieces. Uh, so who knows? It uh, it it the eighties might be almost flawless uh, except Death Shadows. I don't know. <laughs> I have only seen a few movies, but the the exploration of the eighties might be. The most fun I will have with yeah, uh, with quite, It's Quite
1: fun, they're, yeah. They're, they're quite fun. I mean, like all directors, you know, when he when, when after making a very dark film, he wanted to make an entertaining film. That's why he made Death Shadows after after Tract, which was the I mean, which was a nihil, nihilistic film. I mean, Tract was was very 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 dark. It was a, a a character. It was incredible character piece. I mean. He, he probably needed to do something funny, you know, after Tract, and that—that's why he made Death Shadows. He was sometimes he was also a director for hire. I mean, uh, I'm not sure he made Yakuza Wives uh, because he want he it was his own pet project. I mean, Tract was his own pet project, uh, but for for instance, but Kitano um, Hōtaru Fireflies in the North. Fireflies in the North were the director of the higher Project. He was hired by Toei to make the film. His most personal films were probably Hitokiri, Onimasa, The Geisha, and uh, Or. And then he made Tract, which was also a very personal film. And then, you know, between 1986 and 1992, 91, 92, he said, I like to do the author, you know, uh, not, the, not the art house movie, but I, I would like to do my, like the film, which is my, my, my true nature, which is myself, which is like um, uh, no longer an action director, no longer a geisha director, but something that would surprise people even more. So he was looking for that one project again so it's for the next podcast
0: (laughs) just a spontaneous question obviously there are not many at least online filmed interviews with gorsha but reading articles and interviews did you get a an impression that he was willing to talk of his movies and the movie making experience or because some directors don't want to lift the curtain of the movie making experience uh but was gorsha open you think to talking about his process and um and what his thoughts were uh, going into movies
1: yes yes um absolutely well you know sometimes he would do interviews with uh aggressive journalists who who said you're you're a bad director i mean uh, wh- why did you film that? Why did you do that? I mean, like when he made Hitokiri, there there was a very aggressive uh, journalist and writer who said, this, this, is, this is a bad film. I mean, Hitokiri is you, 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 you don't respect, you, you, you're not faithful to the, to the novella. You, you change this, you change that, you don't explain the historical background very well, you don't understand the Okada Izo character. So he had, basically had to defend himself and said, no, 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 I did this because I wanted to say that. I did that because I wanted to say this. So, and when he had a less aggressive journalist, I mean, he was open to talking about everything. But basically what he said was that he was always trying to portray uh, aspects of, of uh, himself through the male and the female characters. So they were, basically there were extensions of himself and he knew that, you know, he, he knew he was portraying very personal characters. So, for instance, the character of Izo, played by Shintaro Katsu in Hitokiri, it's the character, the dog, it's a dog, it's a wild dog, that meets a master. And the dog is very happy to have a master. But the master is not a good master. So the dog has to break his, his uh, you know, his leash and, again, be a wild dog, but maybe a free wild dog. So it was very, very basic, you know, it was very basic psychology. Like you in, in Japan, you know, the, the relationship between the master and apprentice is very important, you know, and the master has to be a good master to teach the apprentice. But when the master is a very bad guy, you know, like Takeshi Hambeta, I mean, at least in the film, what, what does the dog do? Does the dog uh, obey the master and keep being a a slave dog? Or do you rebel? Do you balk at the master? And do you, I mean, do you say you're a bandmaster? Uh, Why do you do that? So, you know, it was very, very basic psychology. And so he said, it's it's myself. I'm a television director. Everybody hates me because I'm making big films now in uh, Kyoto. You know, Kyoto was a very... uh, conservative world traditional world yeah i mean kyoto was kyoto tokyo was tokyo if uh, kyoto people were very snob you know so a television director doing big films in kyoto i mean he was i mean he was hated by everyone so and he had to fight you know and he felt like even though he was fighting people would reject him and say you're such a I mean, a quack, you're such a bad director, you're nobody, you're just a television director. So he had this big complex, and always fighting, always running, always, you know, with passion. But he felt like he would be rejected by society, by cinema, by by everyone. So, you know, he had to overcome this in order to become, then, to go to the next level, you know, and make all the big period pieces in the 1980s. But he still had this complex, yes
0: but you know what still he 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 still comes off as uh he has this fighting spirit in him where he's uh, he's willing to um to debate or counter provide a counterpoint to any to anyone who complains about his work like these aggressive journalists so he wasn't this introvert necessarily but he he was ready to defend his Viewpoint, right or wrong. I mean, you, you can't uh, you can't avoid people li- disliking your movies sometimes. But uh, you know what? If you're a journalist and come at it with that point of view that you're gonna be aggressive towards a, a director who was creative, who, who <laughs> then I don't know, I, I I find that hard to respect.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing, and I mean, in 1969 there was a, a long interview in uh, in a famous Japanese magazine. And I mean the Japanese, um, the the journalist. He's also a, a big writer. Uh, he said this is a bad film. I mean, Hitoki is, you know, it's it's no good. It, yeah, it was. He's a famous writer. He's an Hideo. Uh, and and he said, you well, you don't you don't know how to make a good story. I mean, you don't know how to portray a character. Uh, and so what what do you what do you tell such a person, you know, and Face to face, I mean, so you're a dick, or <laughs>
2: yeah, you're
0: you're either aggressive or you're diplomatic, you're either, and uh, yeah, yeah. You,
1: know, you try to to justify. So he felt like he, he always had to justify himself. So am I am I a bad a director? Am I a bad scriptwriter? Am I bad at portraying women and men in my films? I mean, he was he was obviously he was a very good director, and and he had he still had to improve, obviously.
0: Well, that's the signs of a good analytical person that talks to himself so to say okay what are they saying what is the truth and do i need to improve or are they full of crap and you know it, it's good analysis uh, and uh, yes we, we're human we overthink things i'm sure hideo gosha over over many things but he, he sounds like a proactive director
1: yeah there's one very funny anecdote in 1987, I uh, uh, you know he had he wanted to make uh, Onagoroshi Abura Jigoku, his very last film. So it was a project he nur- he was nurturing from nineteen seven onwards.
0: In uh, in English, the oil hell murder.
1: Oil hell murder, yes. And so he had a big, he had a very big scr- uh, scriptwriter uh, called Ide Masato, if I'm not mistaken. And Ide Masato was a very direct man, and he said. Will you stop directing crap like Death Shadows and try and, and, and uh, try to portray women correctly? and you know <laughs> so, it's, it's a well,
0: good, good start to the working relationship.
1: Yes, very yes. And they had a wonderful uh, actually a very uh, wonderful relationship, because you know it was they were both talking their heart out, so it's a good way of working as well. You know, <laughs> if you're not too aggressive,
0: indeed. Well, we'll we'll certainly get to Oil Hell Murder because it, it is the movie we've chosen to conclude the the series because it is Hideo Gosha's last uh, last movie before he unfortunately passed away. But uh, more date details on that next time. Um Let's uh, conclude this one. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the availability on uh, DVD for the geisha. It, it, it is available out there. As uh, Robin said, the Wild Side video did an edition for France. It it has no English subtitles, which is to be expected. Uh, This is not something that the French market either cares about or or they simply uh, aren't allowed to english subtitles on these things from from the japanese side of things it's uh, it's either or but uh, it is out there if you don't need subtitles uh, it's available used for about 50 60 euros so it, it's a bit expensive but it's a nice transfer and if you need english subtitles you either try and get the american dvd from animego which is available second-hand for about 30 US dollars, excluding shipping. Or you buy the French DVD and find subtitles on the internet uh, to combine with your French DVD. So, uh, so y- if you need subtitles, they are available in some shape or form. I don't know yet if it's been reissued on Blu-ray in Japan. I forgot to look that up because... Uh, they they do put out Gosha's movies on Blu-ray. On the on Blu-ray, for instance, and uh, and a variety of other movies. So it's not like he's a forgotten filmmaker on uh, on Blu-ray in Japan. But uh, obviously, no English subtitles for any Japanese editions uh, either. So um... Hide
1: Hideo Gosha has been rediscovered in Japan in two uh, in two thousand fourteen. I mean, there's there's one journalist who really approached Gosha. Uh, with with no, I mean, with no. Um,
0: You're bad at making films, so, but he's dead, so you can't say yes, it's true. Yes, <laughs> I mean
1: that kind of approach. What a bad director! No, no, no. I mean, he <laughs> he, he really approached Gosha uh, not like a fan or not like a, a very bad critic, but he really did a a, a deep deep, deep uh, a lot of research. He did a lot of research about ideo Gosha, and he wrote two books. One in 2014 and one in 2016. There was a retrospective, in 2004, uh, full retro in uh, 2014 in Tokyo. He has been rediscovered now to the point that even his tattoo, the, the, a picture of his tattoo, you know, is a, a big secret thing. Uh, the the tattoo was was published in the in the books, which is amazing, amazing because. You know, uh, even his daughter, uh, I mean, uh, Gosha's uh, single daughter, she didn't want the tattoo to be published. You know, she, she was ashamed. He was like a father was a Yakuza. So,
0: And hopefully, by the way, we we hopefully the Criterion Collection in America will expand their Hideo Gosha releases on, on disc. They have a lot of the movies in the collection but uh, for a while they were only streaming uh and only a few were put out on disc Uh, Free outlaw Samurai is on blu-ray sword of the beast is on dvd but uh he's not hidden away globally and when all is said and done i mean we we might talk the perspective in the last episode but still when all is said and done i think his movies have very much survived and it's okay to discover him as late as 2019 and still feel that there yes. is an effect there because yes. uh, yeah. uh, they, they, these are not old-fashioned films that only old old people can appreciate <laughs> or anything. So, uh, so I mean, I mean shit. Even if you're after literally movies about violent streets, go watch Violent Streets. It's a fun ass movie because there it's just uh, it's yakuza violence on the streets of Japan.
1: It's like a it's like an Italian urban Italian film, you know, like a polizio tesco and uh, with Jello and flamenco.
0: There's plenty to choose from. Though, that's the point. But me and Robin, I've cordially invited Robin to help me out on the last episode um, of this series as well. So we. we
1: don't forget that in France, we've got 20 or 21 films by Hideo Gosha on DVD.
0: You're very, very lucky. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful. We're champions of the world. <laughs> you, you, you should be considered that. And we're, movie fans should be thankful for what you do. Uh, Hong Kong fans have been thankful for many years. Uh, even forgotten Hong Kong movies uh, are taken great care of in France. Uh, uh, France are very big fans of Hak. The director Choi Hack, yeah. and uh, yeah. so f- for instance, so uh, it's nice to see. And also, there are kind people who share their English subtitle translations on the internet. And uh, I always make it a point to say it's important to support the product that HK Video put out, that Wildside put out. So, you I encourage anyone to buy DVDs and then find the uh, subtitles on the internet and then then make your own DVD. Of that, so um, so I'm I'm very thankful for people who put in so much hard work translating things into English, and then share it for free. So uh, that's uh, the blessing of uh, the cinema community. It's not uh, exclusive elite club all the time. Uh, But we will be back. Uh, So I'm going to conclude this uh, for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, including the back catalog of Japan on Fire. Go to podcastonfire.com and you'll find all our social media links on the site and any relevant links connected to this episode in the show post as well. I'm going to see if there's any online trailers for the Geisha and so forth, so you can get a uh, sense of um, how they sold the movie back in 1983, but I forgot to ask you, Robin. Do do you have any online ventures as such that you like to plug, or you work uh, you work uh, in different ways? You don't put your work uh, on the internet as much anymore.
1: I've 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 wrote a book myself about Hideo Gosha, which was published in France in 2014. It's a two-part book, so it's it's French only. Uh, I li- I'd I'd like to do the the English version now. And uh, it would be a uh, just one book, one volume, and with m- many, many anecdotes, many, many details.
0: What was your uh, chosen title? Did you pick a movie title, or did you come up with a particular saying that you thought was going to be a good book title for a Hideo Gosha book?
1: Well, the the, the 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 French title was uh, the must the director without a master or masterless director i just wanted to focus on the you know on the notion of uh, of being your own master and not submitting to a master in a in a in a traditional culture where you have to submit in some way to you know to, to values and and people with a certain set of hierarchies so basically all the films are a little bit about that and also uh, so we forgot to say how much the film are about uh, economics also, mm-hmm. uh, there's always um, um, an, an, econ- an economic mechanism behind the whole thing, you know, whether the York hero, the geisha or the samurai, you know, the poor samurai, the peasant samurai. So so but the, the title, yes, was masterless director. So I, I I'd probably choose a title like that for the for the English version.
0: And uh, I I hope the book is still in print, so whoever wants to pursue the book can find it on Amazon, for instance, and uh, things like that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna double check, so uh, people are not selling your book for thousands of euros uh, per per copy. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll link to that, and I want to thank you sincerely, Robin, for uh, part- uh, participating. Your context and knowledge adds so much value to uh, to the purpose of a series like this I, I approach I, I, I was the person who took initiative to talk about Hideo Gosha because I based it on a vague memory from many years ago that I really liked Hitokiri and I wanted to explore more so th- this is part of the exploration but I need knowledgeable people around me to enhance this and you, you certainly did so I'm very thankful for that uh, but uh, let's uh, finish this uh, one off as so I've been Canobie and with me was uh, Robin Gatto so say goodbye buddy and thank you very much for taking, taking part
1: bye bye thank you very much